Welcome back to the Information Security Stack together with me, Darren Gustafsson and Kim Hindart. Hoppa. Kim Hindart, today we're going to talk about pink unicorns and stickers. Badges. Yeah. Badges. 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 Badges and stickers. Badges, badges. The reason to that is the EU came out with a code of conduct, as they called it, for cloud services. In an attempt, I guess, and I assume, to create some sort of framework to, if you follow this, there's a greater chance that you can be GDPR compliant if you follow this code of conduct by heart. And then you got a sticker mm. and a badge. Just like you do when you go to camp as a kid, you get a sticker. So in this case, in this case the sticker then uh, sort of proves well, at least give you a chance to prove that you could follow the GDPR framework with your cloud service as an international provider. But, Kim Hindert, what about those stickers? Are they truly true or are they a pink unicorn? Yeah, just to be clear, if I, as a data controller, wants to put my data I have that contains personal data, if I want to process that with an international cloud provider, let's call a hypothetical one muffins. And that's a big hyperscaler. And if I want to do that, I still need to make a data protection impact assessment. Mm -hmm. That's on me. And no stickers, no badges, no uh, glittering unicorns. Mm. can take away that responsibility that I still need to do a data protection impact assessment. And <clears throat> of course, these nice labels and stuff can help because, yes, the code of conduct, let's start by explaining that. Mm -hmm. If you get two EU members to approve a certain thing, to approve a certain framework, then if two EU countries do that, then you can ask and uh, for this to be EU-wide as a standard, so to speak. And this is the Be Belgian Data Protection Authority and the French Data Protection Authority that actually have approved a set of code of conduct for handling and processing personal data focused on cloud providers. And this is a nice thing, actually. So this is a nice thing. So it's the French Data Protection Agency and the Belgian Pro Data Protection Agency that both agreed this is a good standard of code of conduct. Mm -hmm. What any code of conduct, as you mentioned before, cannot help with, it's local laws and jurisdictions. And if the national local law overrides GDPR, it doesn't help how much code of conduct you promise to follow. You might be obligated by your national law to break, break them anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly the risk that exists with FISA. Yeah. And no, even though you can promise how much you ever say that if we should we breach, we will notify all the people that are affected. 
as demanded by GDPR, as demanded by all the code of conduct? The answer is no, you can't, because FISA might give you a gag order, and that overrides anything as well. So, <clears throat> that said, people say, but then you shouldn't be able to give that badge to them. Mm. Yeah, you can discuss that as well, because they have really not made a crime until they actually commit the crime itself. No. So you cannot give them that because it might be a crime. That's also the tricky part. So this is exactly why we had, why you need to make a data protection impact assessment. Mm -hmm. So even if, if in the code of conduct itself, even in Muffin's nice code of conduct, and of course they put it in very, very small fine print in marketing, and say, look, we have the unicorn badge. Now you can come to us and do everything. Yeah, that's not true. You still need to read the fine print. And in there, they actually say there is a FISA risk. Mm. They have to admit it. There is a FISA risk. However, I can agree that the FISA risk itself is small risk. Very low. They, I Very mean, low. We need to be realistic anyway. Mm. Yeah, they do mass surveillance. Absolutely. But will a human ever read this? No. <laughs> the, no. It says itself, you don't have people enough to read all the crazy data that <laughs> runs through a mass surveillance thing. No, it, it's human. It's a machine read read. So, yeah. Yeah, it's machine learning, well, isn't it? Well, yes, exactly. So what's the exact damage it would cause? Now, there's very little risk. And the problem with this is it's actually quite easy to promise this mm. because you can promise a lot of code of conduct because the third party that reviews your adherence to code of conduct will never know about FISA mm. if you're obligated because, because this is foreign intelligence that's highly classified mm -hmm. so I mean it, you can be pretty safe to say I promise we will never do this not mm. even FISA mm. And then if you do it, you know it will be kept secret. So no one else will ever know that. So yeah, <laughs> this is a tricky part. So you who are the controller of data need to make this data protection impact assessment where you evaluate, okay, there is a FISA risk existing here. How yeah. do I take that approach? And let's go take a bit of an example. I was asked with an Aura company, can we use Dynamics or Salesforce? They're both American owners, so there's a FISA risk. And I say, no problem, just go ahead, use the Dynamics and Salesforce. Because the parties that are involved in this is either us and a potential customer or an existing customer. Mm. It's two companies that are the parties together. And they... Mm -hmm processing of the personal information we're talking about here. It's not the private information of the individuals. It's their job identities. However, personal data, absolutely. But it's still the job identities. My work phone number and my work email. It's pretty easy to find them in a public scenario as well. So, I mean, <laughs> it's not like they're totally secret. So, no. the sensitivity of this. So, both parties are involved we can be transparent that we are going to use Salesforce and that's good. So I, I just say, if you're transparent that you use Dynamics and if you're transparent that you use Salesforce, very little customers will object to that. And they will say, yeah, just fine. 
and then you continue and it's an equal uh, uh, it's an equal power distribution because the e either part can say okay now we don't want this to process anymore mm. yeah then we end okay that's fine we stop we erase the data and all fun and yes there is a Pfizer risk but if we encrypt the data the only thing the FISA people can read is encrypted data. Mm -hmm. So then it's a very minimal risk because encryption might have been mentioned as the holy grail. And yeah, encryption is not, please believe me, encryption lowers the sensitivity. Of course, unencrypted data is far worse to release then encrypted data, encrypted mm. data is far less sensitive. It's still personal data, according to GDPR, still falls within the handling of the GDPR. And you're not allowed to give out FISA of any personal data. No. That's the whole rule. Doesn't matter. No matter if it's encrypted or not, you're not mm -hmm. allowed to do it unless it's followed proper legal procedures. Mm -hmm. And the FISA court in secret was deemed by the EU Court of Justice as not an appropriate legal procedure because it doesn't protect <laughs> the mm. rights of the individuals according to them. Mm. So here's the big difference of opinion. So, okay, let's say FISA, it's still a low risk. It might never happen at all. And if you encrypt data, yeah, they can only reach encrypted data. And in a scenario, for instance, when it's two companies that wants to have a CRM system, yeah, I say go ahead because the sensitive part is not the personal data there. The sensitive yep. part is that FISA might read your business plans and business strategy and customer strategy and be uh, make competitive offers within mm. US companies instead. So mm -hmm. it, the sensitive part is your business handlings in that mm -hmm. sense. Not, exactly. <laughs> so that's what you should be worried about mm -hmm. rather because it's part of the FISA to give competitive edges mm -hmm. to US customers. That's part of the foreign surveillance they do. So, I mean, yeah, another thing to consider. From, but from a GDPR point and a personal data point, no, not sensitive, equal power. Let's compare it to another scenario. When a municipality or a region wants to put data and they can say, we are allowed to process your personal data by being a government authority. Mm. You cannot object to this. Uh, yeah, you can move away from the country, but that's a pretty drastic yeah, way. That's, that's <laughs> a harsh, harsh reaction. <laughs> but that's what you can do. Yeah. But otherwise, no, you cannot object to it. They will process your data. Mm -hmm. And by GDPR, they're perfectly allowed to do this. Mm -hmm. But when you have a hundred to zero in power, regarding this yeah meaning me as a consumer you. i don't have a choice you will I, have my you, personal information whether i like it or not just because i'm a citizen in that yeah. municipality yes mm -hmm. then you need to be a bit more cautious with existing risks because mm -hmm. you know there's a Pfizer risk and then you need to consider it okay you can say it's low probability but still if you process millions of your data subjects, personal data over a long period of time, is, still, is this still acceptable to put them to this risk? And mm. this is the biggest problem because it's not you yourself that you do this risk. You do this risk on behalf of millions other data subjects. Yes. 
Exactly. That's the tricky part. You do this on school children. You do this on sensitive data like health records. Mm. Is that okay to put through the FISA? However, even if they are encrypted, is it still acceptable to put them through this risk on a continuous basis? Mm. And there's actually a nice court ruling in Germany where a, a court of law actually <clears throat> um, actually gave them uh, back homework and say, your data protection impact assessment is not good enough. Mm. And they had made a very thorough, very good data protection impact assessment that listed a whole slew of different safety precautions they did. So they did mm. everything correct with everything from encryptions, limited access, putting it in regions specifically, except one thing that made it totally obsolete. And that was, did you actually check for suppliers that doesn't have this FISA risk? Exactly. They were only looking at the big hyperscalers mm-hmm. that all have the FISA risk. Yes. And just to be clear, the security in the big hyperscalers are top notch. Awesome. There's nothing wrong with the security in the hyperscalers. No, nothing they're at awesome. all. They're great. They're awesome. So you need not be concerned about the security part. That's yep. great. It's the legal part, the FISA risk mm-hmm. that still exists there. And you cannot take that away. So you need to evaluate that risk. And then they asked, have you even checked for EU suppliers within the EU, suppliers within a trusted nation that doesn't have a privacy shield broken, like Canada, Japan, mm-hmm. Australia, <laughs> that's still acceptable. And if when the answer was no there, they said, no, this is not good enough. Hmm. This is not a complete prote- impact assessment. You need to first evaluate, is there some way we can do this without this FISA risk? Mm-hmm. So... And I can believe that if you are, for instance, something in power, a government agency or a government organization, a public organization that has all the power, then I don't think it's too much to ask that you at least consider, can we eliminate the FISA risk? Why do we absolutely need to expose our data subjects to this risk? Is that necessary however Mm. even if they are encrypted and even if you think there's a low probability i still mean it's not your call to make if you think it's low low probability Mm. i would compare this to taking a vaccine or not there's a crazy low probability that you get that you would get um, any side effects from a vaccine Mm. Mm -hmm. but i still think it's very very good to allow people to determine that for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's a hot topic right now when we have a lot of anti-vaxxers and the government says we should chase them down and force vaccinate them. And I say, no, that's not the right way to go. I wouldn't want to live in a country that forces this upon someone. I I still think this has to be the individual's choice to make. Mm-hmm. However, that's the lazy part also to force vaccinate people. The right part, the correct part in a 
working democracy is to take the extra effort and educate people to why 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 they should why they could mm-hmm. it's the same thing with your data protection impact assessment gathers uh, gather support them mm-hmm. educate people but you can't just do it So I read a lot of comments on LinkedIn and, ad- and other various forums when this uh, code of conduct came out and every there was a lot of comments that said, oh, finally, it's over. Mm-hmm. We now have the code of conduct to fall back on. As long as they follow that, we're good. Absolutely. And well, no, <laughs> is a simple answer to that. Nothing changed in the back end. No. Is FISA still a rule that still overrules any commercial agreement done yeah. by any? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's still there. Didn't change anything from that perspective. So that risk has to be considered regardless of whatever code mm-hmm. of conduct. But yeah. that said, I firmly believe that the code of conduct is a good thing because you are obligated to allow a third party to review and audit Yep. what you're doing, that you actually yep. adhere to the code of conduct. So Absolutely. regardless of FISA, that's a good thing because you should never forget at least that credit to these big hyperscalers in the sense that they actually make a real effort to do, to protect the data as much as To do as the right can. thing, yeah, for sure. Yeah, FISA is not on them, it's on the government, it's a yep. US government thing. But they do make a whole lot of effort there's a bunch, a whole bunch of companies out there that don't give a damn, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. And so the code of conduct is a good thing in the sense that you actually give a damn. So that's a good thing. Mm. But yeah, because that means if the code of conduct doesn't work for hyperscales, we should ignore it. No, it works for millions of smaller companies. <laughs> that is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. <clears throat> A whole bunch of companies doesn't take information security that serious. It's sad to say, but that's the truth. So even though it's a bit of a unicorn sticker at this point, it's still a good sticker to have. Let's let's put it that way. You you rather have the sticker than not, right? So it's a good badge to have essentially, right? Yes, but it doesn't take away that you need to be critical when you review your suppliers still. It doesn't take... It doesn't give you a free pass on that one. No. And we've discussed this, but the, the crazy part is it's up to each buyer to do a data protection impact assessment that's, before. That's, that's weird and craziness in, on its all own, but yes, but we are still yes, in that situation. But now we are here and that's where we are. Mm-hmm. And you, no matter of stickers, no matter of, you can't get rid of that, you have to take that into account. Yeah. And anything owned by US owners will be susceptible to FISA. Yeah. That's just it. So that risk needs to be considered. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can do a lot to mitigate that risk, but you can never take that away completely. No. And that means you can never just assume that you can do anything just by default, because as we described, it's a total, total dependency on what type of data and what power situation. Are you doing it? it. Mm-hmm. If it's two companies equal, if you gather consent, yeah, well, I would use it all without any th- second sort. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, FISA is 
but if I were a healthcare provider and it was a matter of health records, no, I would consider FISA a risk that at least I would want to have consent of everyone mm-hmm. before, before we do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just as little as I want to force vaccinate people. Mm. I don't want to force FISA people. No. I think that's a, that's not an appropriate thing for government to do. No, I concur. I agree. So, yeah. So that's that about that. If you read about that in the news, and you probably did if, if you listen to this, these types of podcasts. Um, so uh, if you have anything you want to add to it, if you have any questions, if there's anything you would like to uh, add to the matter and add to the subject, feel free to do so at sitnetwork.eu slash podcast where you can reach us. You can find information regarding the episodes. And of course, we link uh, we link as much uh, content as possible to the topics that we uh, discuss. So, Kim, until next week, have a good one, mate. Hope on. Thank you.